0: Hello, my name's Natasha Nabanunga-Bamblett. I'm a proud Yorta Yorta, Kurnai, Wolperi, and Awadjuri woman. And before we get started on She's on the Money podcast, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land of which this podcast is recorded on Awadjuri country, acknowledging the elders, the ancestors, and the next generation coming through, as this podcast is about connecting, empowering, knowledge sharing, and the storytelling of you to make a difference for today and lasting impact for tomorrow. Let's get into it.
1: She's on the money. She's on the money. <laughs> Hello. And welcome to She's on the Money, the podcast for millennials who want financial freedom. Welcome to a bonus episode of the pod. This one is just going to be snuck in right before the end of financial year. And there's a couple of things about this episode. One, you guys have been demanding it because there's lots of questions for mortgage brokers. So I promise in this episode, I'm bringing you one. But also, I am introducing you in this episode to one of of my greatest friends, but also... Kate. Hi. Who are you? I know, I can't believe I'm here. This is Kate Bransgrove. Kate is the founder of Inspire Home Loans and has been an epic broker in my circles for a number of years now, which is very fun. A few of you are probably listening going, I know Kate, she's my broker, and that's because Victoria keeps telling everybody to go see Kate. But Kate, why is this so exciting? Like, why are we excited at the end of financial year? Should we tell them? It's not because it's my birthday, <laughs> well. which it also is, and it's not because we're having a birthday party for yes. she's on the money. Because we're also excited about that. Why is it, Kate? <laughs> We're rolling our businesses together and Kate's joining the Zeller
0: team. I can't believe it. I am so excited. It still doesn't feel real. It feels like a
1: joke. Like, (laughs) I feel like someone's going to turn around and be like, this can't happen. But your team and my team are joining together so that we can basically just take over the world when it comes to mortgage broking and finance and asset loans and literally everything. And it's been something that I have been wanting to do for literally years but it's always been about finding the right person and that's why I sent so many of my clients to you because I was like Kate knows exactly what she's talking about and then one thing led to another and we both were just like well we're good by ourselves. Like we're pretty good at business. I would think like, like, (laughs) let's team up. We can take over the world. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the plan Um, guys. Here we are. (laughs) And so a few of you might know Kate because you've met her while doing alone or met someone from her team while doing alone, or you might have met Kate in an hour of power, which have come back, but we don't talk about them very often, do we Kate? No, we don't. And we should. We should, because there's more people doing them more often in our team. But also it's one of those things that like, we haven't really ramped up because we've been so busy, but now we're together and everything's going to be easier. There's more time to do more hours of power. And we're ready. I mean, this is my podcast. So like, this could be a little sales promo. What's our power? Like, why would I do one with you, Kate? Because it's literally life changing. (laughs) I think so too. I feel like it's that clarity session where you get to sit down with someone and talk about your financial goals, not necessarily get financial advice, but just have someone to sit down with and go, this is how you save. This is what you're going towards. What are your goals? How are they working? It's kind of that like underlying strategy session. that. Everybody should have to go. Are you on the right track? Do you need financial advice? Yes or no? Do you need a broker? Yes or no? Should I get my home loan remortgaged? Yes or no? Like it's very clarity finding, I find. Yeah, and definitely. the feedback, I've been doing these now for oh, six years. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. Well, you had a client the other day. Liz, if you're listening, we love you. Liz is about to settle on her now dream home. She bought her first home with us after doing an hour of power. And I would say she's the biggest advocate of us. So she listens to every episode as well. Love you. Sorry, sorry, (laughs) shouldn't be calling clients out, but it's one of those things that I'm just so proud. She was probably one of my first hours of power and to see her go through this journey of like buying her first home, getting all her fur babies together and like now she's buying her dream home and got to do that with us – Ah, it's like their community is alive and like we get to be part of their journey and it just makes me so
0: proud. Yeah. She said that actually when I was speaking to her, she was saying just it was life-changing. It set her up. It gave her the steps and obviously, yeah, that's where she got where she it is. makes my heart so
1: full. <laughs> but this episode isn't about us, even though we've made it totally about us. End of financial year is very exciting. But the reason we are extra excited is because on the 1st of July, it's all official. Like it is. You're a Zella it director. Is. I know. Who is I she? know. Hello, my business partner. Oh my God. No, don't use that. That's so weird. Let's actually get into the episode. Today (laughs) has been a very highly requested one. People are always asking about mortgage broking structures and how it works and questions that a mortgage broker can ask. So Jess posted on our Instagram the other day asking, what do you guys want to know? We're going to get a broker. I now have one in front of me. Hi. So this works (laughs) out really well. It does. Do you want to get into some questions? Definitely. Let's do it. We had uh, literally hundreds of questions, which I'm not going to make you answer now. I've just picked a few of what I believe are the most common. And this one comes from, I'd usually use their first name, but the username, I know this one. Good. Yeah, that's great. I like it. They said, when's the best time to chat to a broker?
0: Oh, I love this question and I get it all the time. Is it because um, you just say always, always
1: talk to me because you're really yeah, needy? Always come to yeah, me okay. because
0: otherwise. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But actually what's, actually, what's the answer? Because I feel like so many of our community members are worried about wasting a broker's time if they approach too early or if they approach too late. They're like, what if I do the wrong thing? But yeah, I feel like we all just want to do the right thing. When should we be talking
0: to you? So we tell clients that there is no wrong time to come to us. We say, if you have a goal to buy a house, come to us and we'll point you in the right direction. It's either going to be maybe towards an hour of power session or we have a one-on-one coaching session of how much you can borrow or it might be, you know, you're actually in a position right now and they didn't even realise because of... That's actually really common,
1: right? Exactly,
0: yeah. We had it the other day. Someone actually thought they were five years away from buying and turns out they're actually six months away if they put certain things in place and then could come back to us. Because it's
1: not always about just having the deposit. There are so many different factors that come into play when purchasing property. It's obviously entitled to go, oh my gosh, you could have a guarantor loan or whatever it is. But there are so many other options in this industry at this point in time where you can literally buy a house with like 5% deposit and make it work really well. And people just don't know what's accessible because they Google it and then it gets too hard and too messy. Whereas a broker, like that's quite literally, Kate, you do that. What You, you do that yeah, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like literally every day you are talking to banks, working out what's there. And if you've done it for one client, it's very easy to go, oh my gosh, new client. I just did this last week. Is that something you're interested in? And they'll go, I didn't even know it was an option. You're like, look, neither until the other day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. Like
0: especially first home buyers, like you don't know what you don't know. So by coming to us, we'll point you in that right direction. And we might tell you about something you've never even heard of. So then it excites them and they realize it's actually a
1: possibility. It's actually crazy Cool. You just mentioned first home buyers, and one of the questions here from Steph says, How does the home buyer's scheme work? So, the first home loan deposit scheme is actually going to change. It's now going to be called the family home guarantee. Now, there's a couple of things here, so maybe we should break it down, but I'm going to let you run that. What does that question mean to you, Kate? So, the first home loan
0: deposit scheme is a scheme where, essentially, if you have as little as a five percent deposit, then you may be able to buy your first home. Which is kind of sick. Pretty sick, to be honest. It's literally my favourite scheme that's out there. (laughs) (laughs) So, your face is telling me that it's definitely your favourite scheme out there. You little creep. It's literally my favorite scheme. And the reason being is because, like I said, people don't realize that you could get into the market with as little as a 5% deposit. But what they also don't realize is how much money they're going to save, not only on interest, but also on something called lender's mortgage insurance.
1: Yeah. We've spoken about LMI on the podcast before. If you guys haven't listened to our home buying series or you haven't listened to the Property Playbook, now is the time to jump on over and have a listen to that because I feel like if you're on a home buying journey, the Property Playbook is absolutely your blow by blow. This is how the process works. This is where it goes. It goes hand in hand with seeing a broker. I'd say the amount of brokers I talk to that they're like, oh my gosh, Victoria, I tell everybody to go listen to that podcast series because it just educates you in a way where once you finally have that chat with a broker, like there's no, oh, what was LMI again, Kate? Mm -hmm. Like It's just putting you in the driver's position. And guys, don't worry, the property playbook will be back. Second half of this year, again, July is going to be a very big year for us. Amy's been very busy. She will be back, I promise. We haven't replaced her with Kate. <laughs> but no. we now get both. Yes. Por Ken no lost That's us. That's a win. It is a win. <laughs> it is a money win. So first home buyer's scheme, obviously pretty sexy. Can you give me a bit of a scenario around that though? Because I think so many of us at the moment are really overwhelmed with the cost of property and what it's going to look like. We go, but a property is going to cost me a million dollars. Like, give us a scenario of the type of person that could rely on this scheme. Yeah, so
0: definitely. So there's different eligibility criteria to actually fit the scheme. So an example would be that if someone, for instance, was looking at purchasing for $600,000, that with the scheme, obviously a 5% deposit would then be $30,000 they would need. Now, people always don't get told about purchasing costs, which obviously is another important thing of the property
1: playbook. Actually, yep. you broke that down and it's really important. It's so to important because it can feel so overwhelming when you're like, oh my gosh, I finally got my 20%. And then exactly. you find out that you might actually not have 20%. You need LMI and then you also have to pay stamp duty. And then you also didn't realize that a solicitor needs to be paid and that mm-hmm. you need to do a building and pest inspection and that all of these things just start adding up and it's really overwhelming and you just go, oh, I'm just, it's never going to happen. Exactly. This is where a broker can actually be your best mate yeah. to go, this is where it sits. This is how it works. This is what your expectations should be. So $600,000 home means that you could potentially only have a $30,000 deposit. Correct. And then what?
0: Yeah. So that's the 5% we allow for our purchasing costs. So it does depend on which state you're in as to how much your purchasing costs will be. So in majority of states, for instance, the purchasing cost would be about six to six and a half grand. We usually allow... so
1: much money if you didn't know to expect
0: exactly. it. Exactly. And so the $6,500 purchasing costs obviously can be overwhelming if you haven't allowed for it. We do definitely allow extra as well for most states. Now, sorry, South Australia,
1: but unfortunately... We love a, you, but you're Speno. You
0: are, you are. You have to pay stamp duty for that purchase price, even if it was 600000 So we have to allow for that on top of these costs we are talking about right now. But you've got your six and a half, which includes your conveyance, so it includes council fees, it includes your bank fees, fees. It includes it
1: includes everything that needs to be taken into consideration. Group fees.
0: So at least we know. So you've got, let's say for most states, you have got your 30000 plus your purchasing costs of six and a half. So you've just come up with $36,500 to buy a home for $600,000. Now the benefit of this through the scheme, like I said earlier, is not only do you save on interest and the reason being is because you're treated as if you have a 20% deposit. So what does that mean? banks like you more, so you get a lower interest rate instead of if you weren't a part of the scheme. And with most banks, you'll therefore have a higher interest rate. So we're not just looking at upfront, you can get in with less money, which is a a win. That's a win. That's a money win. It's a money win. It's also the big picture that you're saving money over the long term, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love that for us. Yes. So to flip this, if you weren't a part of the scheme, just to put it into perspective, usually to purchase for $600,000 and having to allow for Alamai, Alamai alone would be about twenty dollars to $22,000. so
1: much money. Which is
0: ridiculous. And you, the minimum deposit you would have to come up with is about $52,000 with most banks. Why are not more people using this, Kate? Well, more spots are getting released July 1st, so literally in a What a co-winky dink.
1: I feel like it is such a powerful scheme to just know more about whether you're going to buy now or you're planning on buying in another 12 months. It can actually feel like it takes a bit of the pressure off buying and get you into the market sooner if that's what is aligned to your goals and values. Obviously, you know, Kate and I are very passionate about different asset classes. Kate, you're a property investor yourself. I am. I am not. I just have my family home and I put all my money in shares. And it's something that, you know, I'm more comfortable with that Mm -hmm. because everybody has different risk profiles. And maybe having spent more time with Kate, maybe I'll go down that road. one day. You should. But it's not really, that I'm biased. <laughs> it's, it's really overwhelming and scary, and I don't want to be a no. landlord. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to questions. This one is from Josie. Josie is asking, Do I need to pay off my whole hex debt before talking to a broker? I have the money in my account. That's a good one. That
0: is a good question. And so one thing about a hex debt is we don't view it as a bad debt, but in terms of it impacting you getting a home loan, all the bank look at is not what your overall hex debt balance is. It's just the repayment that you're making towards that. It's hex the debt. impact
1: on cash flow. Exactly. It'd be like your grocery bill. They'd look at it and go, Oh my gosh, Kate spends five million dollars a week on her grocery <laughs> well, bill. Yeah. Yeah, it's because you've chocolate. Got You've got two kids as oh, well. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm so sure your grocery bill's not like a hundred bucks, is yeah, it? No, it's not. I feel like you'd spend a lot on snacks. Do you yeah, spend I, lots yeah, on snacks? Yeah, can you not? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Don't sorry. Right. see. Back to this. But it's like your grocery bill. That's how they look at it. They look at it as an impact on your cash flow. And if Kate's spending 100 dollars a week on groceries, they go, All right, well, that's part of her cash flow allocated another one of those bills that you would have would be your HEX. And if you're repaying it at $120 a week, that's how they're going to assess it, right, yeah, Kate?
0: Correct, yeah. So it's not like a credit card or like a personal loan where they will also look at the limit or the balance of that loan. It's just focused on the repayment amount. Yeah, it's really
1: plan. on HEX. Yes. Yeah. So does that, like, let's just be really blunt here, does it impact my borrowing capacity? Yes, how? It does. Break because it down it, even more. It'll drop your
0: borrowing capacity because it's a repayment we have to allow to show the bank that this is coming out of the money you are earning. So you have less money going towards being able to afford a mortgage. So the bank is saying you can't borrow as much because of this hex debt when
1: we look at the repayment you're making on it. Yeah. Epic. Let's go to a quick break. And when we get back, I have another question for you, my friend. This is from Charlie. Charlie has said, what percentage of your income should be going towards your mortgage? Oh, you'll be a good one to answer this. All right, let me have a crack. So I feel like it's a bit of a spicy and sticky question. Charlie, it's a very good question. But the answer here is actually there's no one set and forget percentage amount. Because if you earn $40,000 and you've got two kids under the age of four and you're a single mom, how much should you be paying off on your mortgage? well, there's a very high chance that you're probably not even able to service a mortgage and you're then putting a lot of pressure on someone to think that they need to be allocating 20 or 30 or 50% of their income towards a mortgage. That's a lot of pressure. Whereas if we flip it to somebody who's earning $400,000 and go, Kate, if someone's earning 400 grand, how much should they be paying off on their mortgage? Well, you go, it's not really percentage-based. It's really based around their goals. Are they just paying off the minimum on their mortgage because they have an investment portfolio they're growing or are they looking for other investment properties, in which case, why are they paying off their family home is another question. So I just think that percentage models, and I've spoken about this in my book before, I just don't believe percentage models give you an accurate view of what should or shouldn't be happening because we all earn different amounts. We all spend different amounts. We all have different values. We all have different Mm -hmm. commitments. Even Kate, you and I sitting here in the pod studio by ourselves, there's me. I have my partner and a dog and two cats (laughs) and not a lot of financial responsibilities. We do have a mortgage, which feels like a very big financial responsibility. But then you're across the table from me. You've got a few mortgages. You've got two young kids. You've got a husband. Like It's so much more responsibility on you. Your side of the table, it's really different. And I think that the second we start putting, I know there was a very popular finance book that came out from some dude who doesn't wear shoes, Mm -hmm. um, and he was really breaking it down as to how much you should be saving and how much you should be spending. But I really think that that puts you in such a bucket of, he assumes you earn an average amount. Yeah, 100%. It really quickly makes people feel terrible about their financial situations if they earn less. Or it puts people in a compromising position, in my opinion, genuinely, if they're earning more than that, because they just put this framework over the top of their high income and go, well, this is what we're meant to be saving. And it's like, no. Mm -hmm. Like when I sit down with my higher net wealth clients and I go, oh my God, like, you're a young gun. You're like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I met a 28-year-old who was earning 350 grand and they said, I read that book, I'm doing this. And I was like, oh, like you're taking your financial literacy seriously and you've put this framework in place. But we really need to shake that up because if you're earning $350,000 and you are single, you need to be saving so much more. We need to be investing. We need to be doing more than that. And what they were doing was actually increasing their lifestyle expenses because they're like, it's just there. I can just spend it. Yeah. So I just go out more. You know, yeah. it's just in my budget. And just I'm like, buy more snacks. No. Like, is it in line with your values? Like, what do you want to achieve? And they tell me all these beautiful things that they want to mm. achieve, but then they're not even working towards that. So it was kind of like, rock in a hard place. And it frustrated me because I was like, yes, that might have worked for the perfect average bear, but nobody is the perfect average bear. Yeah. All right. This one's from Ruby and Ruby has asked, is it easier to buy a house as an investment rather than to live in? Kate, thoughts? Ooh,
0: I like that question, but there's a few things to unpack. So, yes, the rent goes towards servicing the loan, so we can include that as income. Yeah. However, the bank are then going to say, okay, but where do you currently live? Are you
1: currently I, renting? I don't have a house, no. Oh, I was just going to give my house yeah. to somebody else. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. So, <laughs> no, no, so, yeah, they'll have to take into consideration the rent that you're paying, Correct,
0: right? yes. Or if you are living at home with your family, 99.9% of banks, even if you don't pay any board or rent where you live, the yep they allocate for it because they just don't believe you. Yes. So
1: we have had to add in there an expense regardless, even if you've got rent to add back. Yeah. And it's just the way it works. In saying that, it can be quite beneficial and obviously you'll have to talk to your accountant about this, but it can be quite beneficial to own a property as an investment if you're renting as well. Because Kate, say you are renting a home for $350 a week and then you buy a house that rents out for $350 a week, you're now able to claim a tax deduction on the mortgage repayments on the house you're making. And it's kind of left pocket, right pocket when it comes to rent. So you actually need to look at the bigger picture and get some advice and see if it works for you. Because some of the things that could happen is one, it might be a bit of a money win and the rent that you're getting on your property is actually more than the property you're leasing out at. Like say you have $300, $150 a week rent that you're paying, but you bought this bougie house and you've been renting it out for $450 a week. Like that's a bit of a money win. That is a money win. Or it could go the opposite way, but this is your future family home and you're just renting it out to like pay off some mortgage before you move into it. Because that's actually quite common these days. People buying their future family homes, but going, I want to buy it today. I can't move into it because I can't afford it. So we'll lease it out until the mortgage is at X and then we'll move in. Yeah. So I think it's really important to look at your own personal situation and then have a look at how that could work. And then also there's all these other things that you need to take into consideration around whether you move into it and get the first home loan deposit scheme or exactly. whatever else is applicable. Yes. But.
0: And the upfront costs, obviously stamp duty. So there's a lot more fees. So in terms of easier to do it and getting it in the first place, you just need to figure out what's aligning with your values. Do you want an investment property and you're happy to save up more, No, you need to contribute more, or are you just trying to get into the market in your own home and that's going to be your priority? Yeah, so absolutely. there's no right or wrong answer.
1: So I feel like this is going to go back to the answer that I have had for basically all of these questions. And that is, Talk to your friendly mortgage broker. Yes, Kate. Hi, <laughs> hello. Hi. Well, I'm just like bringing you on the pod to answer everybody's questions. This is very self-serving. Like yes. this, is easy content for me. I'm like, I'm not even going to script an episode. I'm just ask Kate these questions. I reckon I'll keep doing this. Yeah, I
0: think we come a good on the idea. pod more.
1: Yeah, I yeah. like you. Good. Maybe good. You can stay. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we have a question from Freya, and Freya says what's the down low on guarantor loans? Do I still need a deposit or not? Getting mixed signals. Kate, do I still need a deposit if I have a guarantor loan? No. That's wild. I actually, I knew that, but like that's wild. Yes.
0: So no, you don't. You technically can borrow 100% of the purchase price. And with some banks, you can also borrow the purchasing costs on top of that. To me, that just
1: seems wild. And it's obviously, guarantor loans are a little bit what would you say, like topical in our community? Because they are actually a very privileged thing to be able to access. Like a guarantor loan has to be very specific. It usually has to be a parent. There's not much breadth around that. Obviously to access it, you need a parent that's in a financial situation where they have a home that has more than enough equity to put a guarantor loan on your property. So it does require a number of things to line up, but it's still something we should talk about, even if it is a privileged thing. So when it comes to that, I'm really down for it. I think if you're in that position, like I would, Kate, love to be in the position in the future where I have future Bambinis Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I can be the reason that they got into their first home earlier. Like, that's so special. If that's not you, then great. There's always other ways of achieving dreams that we set for ourselves. Like, always, always, always. But when it comes to a guarantor loan, do you find that most people ask their parents or their parents ask them, like, how does this conversation actually arise? Because I don't think I'd, you know, I'm a money gal. But I don't think I'd be very comfortable asking my parents to be a guarantor on my property. How do most of your clients do that? Well, we find that clients come to us first and they
0: don't really know much about what a guarantor loan is. So once they feel comfortable, they understand how it works. We often say, bring your parents in. Like, let's have a chat. If you think it's an option. You just want to meet my mum. You got to meet my mum at our engagement party. I love your mum, that's why. She was a nice lady. I do. I did
1: love your mum. Hi, Judes. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry I didn't ask you for a guarantor loan, (laughs) mum. I just really wanted to do it on my own. All right, so chicken, egg, we're not sure which one comes first, but best thing to do is talk to your broker and actually have a chat about whether that could work for you. Kate, the other thing I've seen happening recently is people thinking they're going to need a guarantor loan and they go and talk to a broker and the broker's like, no, it's actually easier if you just do the first home loan deposit scheme because yes. then we don't need to get a guarantor involved. Yes.
0: Do you think people are surprised to hear that? Yes, 100% they are. And we go through, again, the benefits of that and how that all works as well. And the fact that if you have the option of using the first home loan deposit scheme, then obviously you don't have to be tied in to having your parents as a guarantor. And you could be using this scheme instead, which is just as beneficial.
1: Absolutely. And it's not a bad thing to have a guarantor loan. But at the end of the day, it's not just them signing a bit of paper and going, I guarantee this. Like, there is a caveat put over their property. So it does limit them when it comes to them being able to either refinance a property or buy other investment properties or grow their wealth. And that can kind of be really good if they're in a solid financial position. But if a guarantor loan for them might be a stretch or it might be tying up funds that they need for retirement, usually we need to put in place a little bit of a plan. So you go, all right, you'll be guarantor, but after this period of time, you won't need to be a guarantor anymore and you'll be free to do, you know, some more retirement planning stuff. And I think that that's one of the key points that people don't take into consideration when we talk about guarantor loans is that it does actually impact the other party it does impact yes. your parents and whilst it might be absolutely fine I just don't want that over the top of me forever
0: exactly and I think it's so so important you're not just going to go get a home loan for 30 years and see your lady you've got this debt it's all about the strategy so how are you going to pay that down how are we going to get rid of the guarantors
1: if that's what you have it's it's about the big picture as well it's about the long-term game and I don't think enough people are thinking that when they're looking into their first home because it's just so light at the end end of the tunnel. You're just like, I just need to get into this first home. It's taken me either forever to get to this point or forever to save a deposit, or it's just been a really hard slog. Like at the moment, property for young people is terrifying and hard and overwhelming. And it can feel so obstructive that you just go, do you know what? I don't even care. I just want the loan. And then every broker in Australia is screaming, being like, no, let's put in place a strategy because the strategy is going to mean that one, you're in a better position long-term, but my friend, you'll be wealthier because of it because you'll be out of your home loan sooner. Exactly. Like we need to care about the strategy just as much as we care about the loan product that's actually implemented. Yeah. Kate, I have loved this. I have a million more questions, but I'm very aware of the time. So I think we need to wrap it. I promise I will let you back on the show again. I'll probably have to poll the community and be like, do we her on or no? Yeah, well, hopefully um, they say yes. Yeah, hopefully they say <laughs> yeah. yes, because they will love you just as much as I do. And I'm so excited about this new journey that we're going on and being able to tell our little pod family first. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, it's not on socials. This is nowhere. No one knows this, unless, this is unless you're listening secret. to this on the 1st of July, in which case, ha ha ha, everybody <laughs> knows. This is our little secret. And if you want to book in with Kate or want to our brokers on our team head to the she's on the money website there is a direct link you can go and check her out really cute pictures of kate by the way but you can also have your mortgage reviewed with her or you can book in an hour of power and if you use the code sotm50 so sotm50 you're gonna get 50 bucks off your hour of power session with someone from our team so i just think that's a money win for everybody It is a win new financial year new me i feel like this is kind of like the finance version of New Year New Me like you know how you always set new goals and like set your stuff up at yes. New Year's Eve like this is me yeah, but on the 30th t- of June yes the most and it's important not because today. it's my birthday which it also um, is so we're I'm just sure. plugging that sure. anyway Yeah, happy guys birthday. this is all we have time for today I promise I'll let Kate back on the show again in the future if she is really good but as always let's wrap the boring but important stuff the advice shared on She's on the Money is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances She's on the Money exists purely for educational purposes and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Victoria Divine and She's on the Money are authorised representatives of InFocus Australia Proprietary Limited ABN 47097797049 AFSL 236523. See you later, guys. Bye. See ya, bye.